Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our texts for today, we have um, some things that may sound familiar if you've been paying attention to the sermons for the last couple weeks. There's more and more talk about what we are to do as Christians, how we are to live as Christians. And um, there's a word from our text from Romans chapter 6 that I wish was translated a little bit differently. Um, in Romans six nineteen, it says, So now present your, your, your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. And I wish that it said holiness. Because oftentimes we get carried away, or at least sometimes pastors get carried away, with $10 theological words, sanctification, justification. Those are all good words. Justification is, is a wonderful word. It tells us that we are made righteous, justified by God's grace, apart from our works, but only by the work of Christ. And by his grace, we are saved through faith and trusting in that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Justification, great word. There's a lot of things that go along with that word. There's a lot of things that go along with the word sanctification or holiness. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be, um, to be sanctified? Well, holiness is something that is maybe a bit misunderstood, especially in our day and age. So often... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. So often pastors seem to shy away from holiness because you have holiness movements and things like that with the Nazarenes and other uh, sects of Christianity like that that are all about works, right? They're all about works, righteousness. What you do matters, but it's because they get things flip-flopped. What we're supposed to do is put justification first, and sanctification rightly follows after that. Holiness follows after that. And we are supposed to have them in the right order. So that's what we as Lutherans try to do. We try to get it right, first and foremost, that Jesus Christ has died for your sins. He has shed his blood to cover you with his blood and his holiness so that you can be made righteous and live a new life in him. Because before that happened, before Christ covered you with his blood, before he washed you clean with his death and his resurrection through holy baptism, you were a child of wrath. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You had presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more and more lawlessness. But now that you are Christ's, now that you are members of his body, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness, leading 
to be set apart for his good purposes and not your own, not the world's, not the devil's, but his, Christ's. When you were slaves of sin, excuse me, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is, is death. The wages of sin is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, to holiness, and its end to, to, to eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we talk about what we do, we have to get things straight. What we do has nothing to do with our salvation in the sense that we can't work for it, right? We cannot do good enough according to God's law. We cannot obey him perfectly. And therefore, we are outside of salvation by ourselves. So we have to see these things as in their proper place. Sin demands something to do. Sin lies to you. If you want to think about it in this way, it's like a job opportunity. Sin is offering you this wonderful job with great benefits. It's offering you this luxurious lifestyle where you get to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, and there's no catch. Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Sign on the dotted line and you get the job. But you soon find out that those wages that you earn, those wages that you work so hard for in the name of sin leads to nothing but death. And before you die, it leads to nothing but lawlessness and more and more lawlessness. Whereas on the other hand, Christ presents himself to you by saying, come follow me, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, you're going to have to carry a cross, you're going to have to to suffer, you're going to have to endure hardship, You're going to have to go through things that are not pleasant. But know that I have done all these things for you. Christ says, know that now I offer you life everlasting. I offer you a place in my kingdom by my works. And this for you is a free gift. And with that free gift, we now are granted life everlasting. And yes, we are expected to live differently now. We are supposed to be singularly minded. Our prayer for the day, the collect of the day, asks 
um, asks that our Lord would put away from us all hurtful things and give us those things that are profitable for us. We ask him day by day to grant us new life to walk, new life to live and do and say what we need to say, do what we need to do. We should be single-minded in striving for the work of our master, whom we belong to now, because we have been purchased with a price, and it was the price of, Christ, of Christ's blood. But the tasks that we have been given by our Father are not easy. <clears throat> In fact, good fathers, when they give their children tasks to complete, and they complete them, a good father will say, that's good work. Let's do some more. <laughs> Let's tack it on some more. Let me give you more to do. Let me give you more responsibility. Let me give you more to carry. You know why? Because I know that you can carry it. I know that you can do it. And I love you enough to not give you too much. I give you just enough so that you can keep your eyes on me and see what I do and follow. When we were talking about this text in um, Bible study this morning, a great comment came up that it matters where our focus is. Where are your eyes set? Who are you looking towards for your task, for whatever has been set before you? Who do you look for for your highest good? Psalm 123, let me try and pull that up real quick here. Psalm 123 even says, uh, pull it up. Psalm 123, the ancient psalm says, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. That we look to God. Our eyes are on him, the master for what we should do, for what we should say. We look to Christ who lived the perfect life so that we could now live a new life towards him. We must see ourselves as formerly children of wrath and now children of God for us to move forward. Does that mean that there won't be setbacks? Does that mean that there won't be stumblings? Does that mean that there won't be struggles? Absolutely not. We are not perfect in this life. But if you were to ask a master carpenter or a plumber or any other tradesman, if they were perfect, they would say, absolutely not. I make mistakes. I fall short. I miss the mark. And so for those times where we do miss the mark, 
what should we do but keep our eyes on Christ? Keep our eyes on him, especially him who has compassion on us, who gives us what we need to sustain us when we are very weary and fainting from all that he has granted. We look to him, not only in what he has done, but by what he does here in this place, by feeding you with his word preached, by feeding you with his body and his blood, so that you are called to be more like him as members of his body. When you partake of the body and blood of Christ, he becomes more and more a part of you so that you would become more and more a part of him. And from this place, we go out into this world that is full of darkness, depravity, all kinds of wickedness that calls us and tempts us to do like it does. And so what should we do? What should we do when we're faced in this world with depravity and darkness when someone tells us or we see a commercial on TV for this certain TV show or we hear something and repeat it to somebody else that we shouldn't have heard or said in the first place? What should we do but remember that we are part of Christ? We belong to him. And if we are members of his body, and what we do proclaims his glory, remember that the next time you decide to turn on that TV show, remember that when you are thinking about saying something you shouldn't say about somebody else behind their back, remember that when you even cuss or make a bad joke that is lewd, Remember those things and ask yourself, is this what Jesus would do? Is this what Jesus would do? Think about Jesus doing those things and then say to yourself if that's a good idea or not. It's a pretty good litmus test if you want to be honest. If we are the body of Christ and we gossip, slander, cuss, watch certain TV shows or view pornography or do any other things like that, we have to stop and think about what that means for us and what that means for our proclamation of Christ in this dark world. Are we part of that darkness or do we belong to he who is light? What do we do in that, that instance? But pray that God would forgive us, that he would grant us grace to become stronger we are not perfect in this world, but we keep our eyes on our master and he leads us, he guides us. When we stumble, he picks us up and he urges us, us, keep going, keep running the race, keep doing the good things that I have called you to do and I will be with you all the way. Have God put away all those hurtful things by the blood of Christ, be fed by Christ himself so you may grow more into his likeness and remember how out of place it would be for Christ to persist in your pet sin so that you grow more and more holy 
so that you grow more and more set apart for his purposes in wherever he has placed you in life at this time, so that you would be set apart to at least pray, to at least give that good word of thanks, give the good word, um, give the good word of encouragement, bring a gift to somebody who needs it, be the brother and sister in Christ to someone else who is struggling, and lift them up by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we go forward from here, we should remind ourselves continuously, day by day, that we are washed clean in the blood of Christ by holy baptism, that we are fed his body and his blood, so that we can know that we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And the peace of God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.